Thank you for choosing iChurch Sermon Podcast. We invite you to get ready, get ready, get ready for what God has to say to you today. Good morning. Well, Pastor Carlos and some of our family are in Mexico this week. So we need to keep them in our prayers and uh, know that, you know, it's just an amazing thing. I think about when Jesus spoke to the disciples and he said, you know, it's going to be a good thing for me to leave you guys because when I leave you, the Holy Spirit will come and take my place. And the Holy Spirit will be with all of you. Only the Holy Spirit could be with all of us at the same time. And that is God's presence. Emmanuel, God with us. And we're coming into this Christmas season and that word Emmanuel will be very present and it means God with us. And so as we're here this morning worshiping, God is with us. As Pastor Carlos and other brothers and sisters from iChurch are in Mexico this morning, God is with them. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? It's an amazing thing. I want to talk about uh, some different things this morning. We talked about, uh, we're going into a series called, or, or went into a series last week. We started a series called At the Table, hence the table, right? So we're at the table this morning. We will talk a little bit about what that means to be at the table. And I should probably bring this up here just in case. So, and we're going to give you, we're going to base this on two scriptures this morning. If you guys can go ahead and bring up those two scriptures, I want to talk about that a little bit. So we've got two scriptures. One is from Psalms 23.5. Wow. Where is Psalm 23.5? We have that coming up. All right, so I'll go ahead and just say it while we're bringing it up. Okay, here it is. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. So let's talk about what we're seeing here. First of all, you prepare a place, you prepare a table before me. First of all, who's preparing this? The Lord, okay? God is preparing this place. And what does he call it? What is this place? A table. So in the scripture, we talked a little bit about this last week. What does the table represent? Okay, that table represents the connection with God. And so we just talked about Emmanuel. He is with us. So that connection can be anywhere, right? So we're going to use the visual image of a table, but we need to know that no matter where we go, that table can be with us. God's presence can be with us. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of who? Enemies. Okay, now I'm going to talk about three different families this morning. And just so you know, I write sloppy so that you can't tell when I'm misspelling words, all right? So we're going to talk about three families. We're going to talk about your natural birth family. And then we're going to talk about your Christian family, your family in Christ, or your rebirth family. And then we're going to talk about your community family. So I want you to take a second. And first of all, let's just think about our birth family. 
Uh, and when you look at this table, is there anything you, that you notice maybe a little different about this table? What's that? It's missing a chair, right? Yeah, it's missing a chair. This table is designed to have four chairs around it, but it's missing a, t- a, a table I mean, or a chair. So when you look at that and you think about this table and my family, your family, and you're seeing a chair missing, what do you think about with that? Something's not right there. Why is it not right? What's that? Okay, it's missing a part of you, right? Something's, even, you know, just that family member is like a part of you. What else? Anything else that maybe it just resonates in your mind as you see that? Let's get real this morning. What, how's that make you feel? What's that? Ticked off. You could be ticked off because that family member's not there, right? That's real. What else? Incomplete. You feel incomplete. What I hear, sad? You feel sad. You know, all these things. Anything else? Pain. It's all real, right? So let me just kind of write these things. You help me remember them. Ticked off. Uh, sad. Pain. What else? Incomplete. Okay. Now, now picture this family sitting here around this table. Picture your family maybe, and there's, there's, a, there's a family member missing. And you can decide for you whoever that family member is. It, and remember, it could be your birth family. It could be your Christian family. It could be community family. It could be something that was a part of your past that you felt these things because a member was missing. It could be part of your present. It could be part of your future. But now it also says in the scripture, says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So I want you to figure, I want you to imagine your family sitting here in this table and define the enemies that are around you. What are the enemies that are around you? Distractions, wow. Fear. Fear. What else over there, Justin? Devil. What? Loneliness. Guilt. Stress. Peer pressure. Man, you guys are all over these. Stress, got it? Busyness. Busyness. Sickness. All right, run out of room to write. So you got all these enemies around you. You got your family here, and you got you have all these enemies around you. But it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why would God, what's the significance of God preparing a table in the midst of your enemies? What's that? Strength. Strength. 
When you said that, it makes me think about David when he was in the wilderness and he was running for his life. He's running from Saul. He's already been anointed king and he's crying out to the Lord and it said that he was in a stronghold. David was in a stronghold even though he was at one of the darkest points in his life. It was because of God's strength, right? What else? What's the significance of God preparing a place for us in the midst of our enemies? Courage. Light, comfort, sovereignty. This, let's see. Okay, I'm writing sloppy now, so you won't know. Peace, life, hope. Wow, you guys are too participatory this morning. That is awesome. I mean, you guys are all over this, but we're living it, right? We're living it. And it says, and it goes on to say, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. So when it talks about you anoint my head with oil, this, when it talks in the Bible about anointing with oil, what does that, what are the things that that refers to in the scripture? Blessing. Even in the middle of this battle that's raging all around us and the enemies, there's still a blessing, right? What's the blessing? God's presence, Emmanuel, God is with us, right? Even in the middle, not, not, when, not when everything's smooth and, and easy and no problem. In the middle of the stinking battle with all these crazy enemies around us, God's presence is with us. He anoints us. It also talks about the anointing be the Holy Spirit. And remember, we talked about in our prayers at the very beginning, we're here, Carlos and the rest of the crew is in Mexico. The Holy Spirit is with us. We're in, even though we might be battling battles, they might be battling battles in Mexico, we might be battling them here, but God's presence is with us, right? God's presence is with us. And because God's presence is with us, it says what? My cup overflows. What does that mean? No matter what, we still can have joy. We can still have peace. We can still have this comfort. We can still have life. We can still have strength and courage and be a light and know that God's sovereignty is with us. We can still have hope in the middle of all that. Now, if we don't have that, there's a problem, right? If we don't have it, so it might be your chair's the one missing at the table. So it might be my chair's the one missing at the table. Now, here's the problem. We know that according to Scripture, we were born into a battlefield, right? And so the battle's always raging around us. And if my chair is missing from the table... If I'm not leading the way I'm supposed to, put somebody else on the front lines, right? Wow. Okay, let's skip. Let's go to another scripture now. And in between, we're going to go to uh, Matthew 26, 21 through 25. But l- let me share something else with you now at this point. I want to I give you a couple stories. One story just hit me while we were, the music was playing and we were singing and you know, we're singing about God's love, and then we're just singing about our love back to God. And, 
and you know, just simply understanding that and feeling that. And uh, I remember a time in my life when the, the battlefield seemed to be raging, one of, one of the worst times in my life that the battlefield was really raging. And it was in connection to my calling, and it was in connection with my life, my birth family. It was in connection to my Christian family. It was in connection with my community. It was all these things. And the battle was just raging around me, and I was, I was distraught. I mean, now, I've been a Christian since I was eight years old, and at this point, I'm actually serving in a church as associate pastor. And so, you know, I should have it all together, but it was one of the darkest times of my life personally. I was going through this crazy, crazy battle, and, and the enemies were all around me, and I felt like, man, there's just, is there a way out of this? And I actually uh, had a trip. I th- it was my first trip, actually, to Puerto Rico. So it was my first trip to Puerto Rico and uh, traveling with, you know, going down to visit Pastor Carlos at the church there in Puerto Rico. And I went with nine other men, and we went there to build a basketball court for the orphanage. Well, I mean, supposedly that's what we were going to do, is to go build a basketball court for the orphanage. And so we went there, and for me, it was just about, I just want to get the heck out of Dodge. I just want to get out of here. I'm just being honest. And so I was going under the disguise of being a pastor that's, you know, wanting to be on fire and show that I'm doing mission work and everything. And really, truth of the matter was I was hurting. And I just wanted to get the heck out of Dodge. And so I went there, and we're building these basketball courts. And it's funny because it's a weird thing because, like, Pastor Carlos kept pulling me away. I'd want to I'd just do the work and get lost in the work. And Pastor Carlos, he'd pull me away and say, go do this. I'd want to come back and get in the work. And Pastor Carlos, he'd pull me away. And he'd send me over here and he'd send me over there and all this. And, you know, I'm just kind of not really knowing what's going on. And it's, it's what I didn't realize at the time and what I began to see later is he kept putting me by myself. See, I was running from God at the time. He kept putting me right in front of God. (laughs) He just kept putting me by myself in front of God. And then I remember at the very last of our stay there, we were around this table. And we had eaten and everything. And then Pastor wanted these young men from the orphanage to come and share their testimony with us. These were guys that uh, had been physically, mentally, emotionally, even spiritually abused. They had been sold for prostitution. Their parents had deserted them. They were, had been living on the streets. I mean, their, their lives were horrible. Horrible. <laughs> you know... And we're, you know, we got them living in an orphanage. We, you know, we brought them off the street. They're in an orphanage, and they're being ministered to. And you know, I'm watching as the guys are hugging these young men. And sometimes, at first, it seemed like it's kind of awkward. And then those embraces become more real and more genuine and stronger. And then these guys, as they came up and they gave their testimonies, and it, it was almost like a lot of us guys, we didn't even want to hear it. 
we didn't want to hear it because it was too hard. We, did, we felt pain for them, and we didn't want them to have to share these horrible stories for our benefit. But it wasn't about our benefit. It was about God's glory. And I remember after hearing some of these incredible stories, and Carlos said about those stories, he said, you know, for every one of these boys that are living in an orphanage without families, and you're building a basketball court, as they gave their testimony, what you heard from them is that God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. And, you know, I began to think how stupid my little problems were, but, but they were real to me when I went there. But I needed to hear that God's grace is sufficient in the middle of the battle, no matter what the circumstances. And, you know, as, as, as much as my battle, I felt like, was a big deal, these guys were on a whole different level of a battlefield. And God's grace was sufficient for them. So I want to, bring, I want to show you this extra scripture. And, and actually, i got to tell you one more story. So if you, you guys can go ahead and bring up that other scripture, Matthew. And I'm going to tell you this other story in the meantime. So yesterday, my wife and I and my little son, Ethan, were, at, for, were having breakfast together at our table. And we had two other guests with us. And the guests were... A uh, guy that Ethan graduated college with, and his new bride. They they were gotten married in April, and so we we're sitting around the table. And they came in la- uh, Friday night, and we shared with them, and and just fellowshiped with them that that night. And then the next morning, we got up, and Sandy and I fixed this great big breakfast. And um, we we hadn't had a chance to meet Jeff's wife that much, except for the wedding. And you know how that is. You're, the brides are all caught up in all that. So we didn't really get to socialize or get to know her or anything. But I knew she was good. It, I mean, she, I knew she'd fit right in and that she was definitely part of our family because she liked my pancakes with peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> Anybody eat pancakes here with peanut butter and jelly other than me and my family? Listen, every, everybody loves peanut butter and jelly, right? You got to try it with pancakes. It's like the best. Just mix it up in a bowl or on a plate and just have it there for your pancakes. It's awesome. It's awesome. And, and it really did my heart good because later on after everybody had eaten, she went up, she went to the bathroom, she came back, and she had a pancake folded up with peanut butter and jelly in it. And so she was really digging this. I thought, man, she is, this, she's right in. But while we were sitting at the table, well, back up before they came, Sandy and I were praying uh, Thursday night, I believe, it, or Friday morning. We were praying Friday morning, and we said, Lord, you know, we got some crazy stuff going, in, going on in our life right now, and I'm just going to be real with you, okay? I'm just going to be open and real with you about that craziness going on in our life right now. It's our youngest son. He's missing at the table. He's missing in church right now. And, uh, but again, earlier when I was at the table... Uh, I, I, when I was at the table with Hunter a little over a month and a half ago, I saw God deliver him very specifically from specific sin. But now he's not at the table again. 
And so it's, it's painful, it hurts, it's, you feel all these things, loneliness, guilt, stress, pressure, life pressing in, all the enemy raging around, raging around, raging around. But the Lord kept saying, you guys can handle this. And it's not just about you. And my wife even, Lord gave my wife even a very specific revelation and understanding that she was the one to bury this, bear this cross for our son right now, regardless of where it would take us, regardless of what the circumstances would be. And it would, and it would come upon her as much as, and it was because of him projecting things onto her. And so it was a very painful time, again, for us. Yes and no, because we knew God's presence was with us. And we knew God's hope, and we knew God's promises, and we know that this is not the end of the story, that God's still sovereign and he's still in control. So it put us in a different place because we were in God's presence. And we were in a place that we could not be on our own. We couldn't. It's too hurtful. It's too painful. But God took us to a different place, and he goes, keep your eyes on me and my table. Keep your eyes on me and my table. And so Friday night, instead of us being over, overcome by this absence, we said, Lord, we're going to keep our eyes on you. And Lord said, I want you to pray for this young couple that's coming to your house, and I want you to prepare for them. I want you to prepare for them. And so we, we, we were preparing, and we were, we were just praying. We said, God, help us to be present with them so that your presence that is with us is also with them. Help us not to be distracted. Help us not to be so lost in our emotions, so lost in our thoughts, so, so lost in whatever. Lord, help us to be attuned. Help us to be there with them. And so Saturday morning, we had this big breakfast. And Sandy says at the end of the breakfast, she goes, well, we're getting ready to, to leave and, and go check out Ethan's house and all this stuff. And so Ethan says, or Sandy says, well, let's pray. Can we do that? And they said, sure, of course. And so Sandy said, I'll start. And honey, you, you end it. And so Sandy started praying. And then Jeff prayed, and then Jeff's wife, Lacey, prayed, and then Ethan prayed, and then it was me. And so I'm just listening to the prayers as it's going around the table, and I'm feeling God's love. I'm tasting God's love. I'm smelling God's love. I'm hearing God's love, and I'm seeing God's love, and I'm just about to come out of my dang skin. <laughs> because I'm more spirit than I am flesh. I'm more spirit than I am flesh. Sometimes we forget that, and this is just overwhelming me as I'm hearing them pray, and every single prayer was so point, it was so on the mark with what God was trying to teach us all and show us all. And so it was just overwhelming. And so when it got to me, I said, I, stopped, I said, I just want to... Sh- I'm, here, this is going to be my prayer. I want to share with you guys the spiritual markers that I've experienced here in my life. And I said, I'm hearing my wife pray this incredible prayer and how God has taught me that she's going to be really powerful in prayer. 
and I'm hearing her prayer and I'm seeing her prayer knowing that there couldn't be anything down deep hurting her more than this missing chair. But that, she, she had this incredible peace and that peace brought power in that prayer. And so she prayed and it was powerful and I'm thinking, God, you know, this is so awesome. I can remember when you put her on my heart at such an early age, I fell in love with her third grade. I fell in love with her at such an early age, and I knew she was supposed to be my wife. I knew it long before she did, and I had to chase after her, and I had to pursue her, and I had to talk her into it. And I'm, I'm a dang good salesperson. I really am. And uh, so I, you know, I had to go after her, but at one point, I was about to, I, I was about to lose her. It looked like she was not going to be my wife, and it was hurtful, and it was painful, and everything, and I said, God, I'm going to This hurts me. This kills me. I know you gave her to me, but I know what I'm supposed to do now. I'm giving her back to you. She's yours, not mine. She's yours, not mine. And your grace is sufficient, and I'll be good with that. God's love is so awesome. He gave her right back to me. (laughs) He gave her right back to me. (laughs) Uh, And then I was listening to Jeff pray. And it's just so amazing because he was praying for his family that was around that table. Now, Jeff comes from a a family that is really plagued by generational curses. I mean, everybody else in his family is lost to Satan right now, according to the current circumstances. His real mother, his real father, he's 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 got... eight other siblings. And it's, it's incredible the things that he's gone through in his life. But he's thanking God for his family right there at the table. And it was just amazing to see that. And I remember when Ethan and Jeff were in school and Jeff was really struggling financially because he was on his own. He was trying to do everything by himself. And I remember him, he, he needed a computer. His computer crashed and he couldn't afford one. And Sandy and I prayed about it and we gave Jeff a, a, a computer. But the reason we gave it to him is because God wanted us to see that, look, don't get so distraught in the problems and the circumstances around you that you don't see what I want you to see. And God said, this is your son also. And he wanted us to be aware of that. And so... And here's a funny thing. Sandy and I have been praying that Ethan and Hunter would always have other men come into their lives that would be a good example. And Jeff was a brother in Christ, and he was older than Ethan. And so he influenced Ethan, but in his prayers and afterwards, he talked about Ethan influencing him. And that's the way, way God works in this. But we couldn't be distracted. We had to pay attention to what God wants to see. We had to see and feel his presence at the table. And then Lacey prayed, and she, it was incredible because we hadn't hardly been around her, and now she's part of this family, and she's just sobbing and crying and just feeling God's love. She's just so overwhelmed with joy. And then Ethan prays, and Ethan prayed about loving the Lord, about how he is lo- just is at a, at a point where he loves the Lord so much right now. Not too long ago, God put on our hearts one very specific thing for the, our boys to, to pray for our boys is that, they would just simply love the Lord. They would just simply love the Lord. And so I'm seeing all these things take place, but 
But here's the thing I, I want you to understand too is that a lot of times that chair that was missing was mine. Even though I was in the role as a godly father, even though I was in the role as a pastor, even though I was in the role as a leader among men, so often my chair was the one missing. And so listen to this scripture. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. One of you will betray me. We know that the ultimate villain in this case was Judas. But look at the rest of this scripture. Can you bring up the rest of that for me? They were very sad. Now this is, I want to set the stage for you. Jesus is at the table with his disciples and he's saying, Be with me. Listen. Pay attention. I'm going to speak into you. And you need to hear what I'm saying. Matter of fact, before they're there, not long before that, they're up on the mountain of transfiguration, and Jesus is there with Peter, James, and John, and and they see Jesus being transformed, and and Peter, as he always does, he speaks out thinking, okay, he knows what to do here. You know, actually, he's just like me. He's bumbling through it. And, And God says, basically, in so many words, shut up and listen. Listen to my son. And here's Jesus. He's saying, listen to what's happening. I've been trying to tell you these things all along. And so he tells them that he's going to die. But one of them, one of his very closest 12 guys in his family was going to betray him. And so they were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Surely you don't mean me. Now look at the rest of the scripture. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. Now, do you know which one that was? Huh? It was all 12 of the guys. Every single one of them would dip their hand in the bowl. That was the custom. They were communing with Jesus. And so there's community going on, and they're with Jesus. They're fellowshipping with him at the table, and all of them are dipping their hand. And so Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl. And then he says, the Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. So he brings the word into the picture here. And he says, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. It's an interesting thing because each one of the guys, you know, they're saying, surely you don't mean me, Lord. But then later Judas speaks up and he says, you don't mean me, Rabbi. He didn't call him Lord, he called him Rabbi. That's for a different sermon. But here's the thing, they all would turn their back on Jesus. And they would all miss opportunities. But it was not the end of the story. See, we, we all, I, I had lunch with my mom and dad last week, and I said, you know, I'm going to be teaching on this, and I want to know, do, I have, do we have generational curses in our family? And mom and dad right and say, well, you know, I don't know, that we, I don't know of any specific generational curses, but we've all, we've all been out of whack at times in our lives. And so, I, you know, I started thinking about that, and I started praying about that, and I said, you know, there, are, there is a generational curse that we all face. There's generational curses that we all face, generational sins that we all face, and it's simple. Sin is one thing. It's not being present with the Lord. 
It's not being present with the Lord. And so when we're not present with the Lord, we miss opportunities for the Lord to be present with us. We miss opportunities for other people to see the Lord work in us. And see, even here, even at this point, Jesus' family, they were more concerned about, you know, am I the one? It's really become a selfish thing. They, They hadn't been hearing all that Jesus had said. This battle is raging around the table and Jesus is, he's confronting the ultimate enemy, the devil. And he, and the devil is trying to rob him of his identity and rob him of his purpose. And all this is going on, but Jesus is saying, hey, you guys pay attention. All this battle is going around, but my eyes are on the Lord and your eyes need to be on the Lord. See, here's the thing. Jesus has already defeated the enemy. Jesus has done it. It's over. It's said. It's done. We do not have to fight Satan. We don't have to do that. Jesus did that. Only thing that we have to do is be at the table with Jesus. That's all we have to do is be at the table with Jesus. If you're not then you're experiencing generational sin. It can come in a lot of different ways. There's no need for me to sit up here and try and classify all the ones that you have that I don't have. We all have sin in our lives. The the sin is absence from Jesus. But when you're with Jesus, the battle's done. The battle is done. So uh, so I want to leave you with this one thing. As you think about being at the table, are you really at the table with your family? Are you really at the table with your birth family? Are you really? Are you on the same page with your family fighting for what God wants you to fight for? There's only one way that can happen is you have to come together as a family. You have to commune together. You have to commune together. And then here's the other thing. Are you really at the table with your church family? I'm going to tell you something that, quite honestly, I'm sick of it, and I'm, I can easily say this because I've been there. So I'm not pointing a finger at you. I'm pointing a finger at us. Um, but I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it when people say, oh, I don't want to be a part of the church because that church hurt, the church hurt me. Okay. Everybody hurts people. Everybody. So does that give you the right to step away from the table? I've done that. I've stepped away from the table. Even when I was there, I wasn't there. Because I was distracted. I was thinking about other things. And what about our community family? You know, it's so easy. We point such fingers Government, schools, society, media. We always like to talk in third-person terminology. But are you at the table with your community? I remember reading, I think it was from Oswald Chambers. He says, when God gives you discernment about things, he doesn't give you discernment to cry and whine about it and complain about it and point fingers at other people. He gives us discernment to intercede. So stop being emotionally mentally and spiritually immature 
and step up to the table. Bruce, Bruce, don't, don't, be, emo, don't be an emotional baby. Don't be a mentally immature child or even an adolescent. Be emotionally, spiritually, and mentally mature adult and step up to the table. It's easy. Generational curses have no power over us. We just have to take it to Jesus. Let me pray. If you would like to learn more about iChurch OKA Ministries, please visit our website at www.ichurchoka.com.